Welcome to the Finding Nemo podcast. It's your host, Nemo. Today, I have an absolute stud and a guy who has impacted my faith in so many ways. This man has God written all over him and has a genuine passion to serve and share his faith with anyone and everyone. Please welcome Grant Trout. Hey. You got, you got anything you want to say? I just got to say, man, that I am sitting across one of the most special men that I have met. And Nemo, just like Finding Nemo, God has a big plan for you. Not in the ocean, but on the land. And it's an honor to be sitting here. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I know you started just started like a ministry in the Branson, Springfield, Hollister area. It's yep. called The Fort. So like, what is that looking for you? Like, I know last night yeah. was the first night. It was awesome. Yeah. Dude, last night was amazing, by the way. So we're starting this thing called The Fort. It's a young adult ministry here in Branson, Missouri. And it's targeted for probably 20 to 35-year-old people. And so our mission and our vision is let's create an atmosphere that doesn't feel like church. And so a lot of people that grew up here have either been hurt by the church or just think about church as religion and do's and don'ts, but they don't think about relationship. And so I want to show them in a way that's relatable, real, and raw, Jesus that he came to heal the sick. He didn't come to judge, and he didn't come to hold up the scriptures and say, why aren't you following these? And so I want to meet them where they're at. And so basically our mission statement is, hey, we are not in the world. Uh, we are not, or no, we're not of the world, but we're in it and to meet them in their worlds. And so we're targeting just, hey, the lost people of Branson and Hollister, let's meet them where they're at, but love them enough to call them higher. Gotcha. That's awesome. So, like, when is the meeting, like, when do you guys meet? Yeah, so, shout out. We're plugging it right now. It's yeah. Wednesday nights, 7 to 8.15. Uh, it's at the Industrial Parks. And so, 121 Industrial Park Drive, uh, 7 to 8.15, and there'll be cornhole. We kind of just, like, play games, have snacks, and then there'll be worship and a sermon. And I think last night went amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. And, yeah. Definitely, definitely come. Yeah. It will change you. Come. And if you, like, don't have a community at all, I know people last night were saying, this is awesome because we needed a community. Yeah. We haven't been able to find one. And, like, coming here, we, like, already feel like we're connected. Totally, man. Like, last night felt like people made friendships. And the really cool part is that, like, the follow-up is happening of, like, hey, do you want to get coffee? Do you want to get lunch? Can yeah. we meet throughout the week? And so, yeah, like you said, like, community is forming. And God is doing something. And so he's using average, common, broken men like Nemo and G. And he's going to do his work. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Okay, so I just want to hear your story, like what Jesus has done in your life. Mm -hmm. You've had, you have a cr pretty crazy story and how Jesus just took over you. So like, yeah. if you just want to share that. Absolutely, man. So before I tell my story, I got to just tell them the story of how me, of we met really okay, quick. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm at camp this summer, K2, and I signed up for this one week camp called Worldview. And I'm sitting there, and the first day goes by, and then the second day, this kid walks in, and they're like, hey, this is Nemo, uh, he's day late. And I was like, ne what type of, ne <laughs> like, who is this dude? And, but I couldn't deny, bro, and you remember this moment, I found you in the cafeteria, and it was just like the spirit absolutely drew me to you, and I remember putting both hands on your shoulders, and I was like, Nemo, I don't know why, but the spirit is putting you so heavy on my heart, and I just want you to know that God has something in store for your life. I didn't know your story. I didn't know anything, bro. And ever since that moment, I feel like God has really blessed our relationship and just given us both the friendships that we needed. Yeah. You know, you and yeah. in, in like the new story God's writing and the me new to Branson, like we've developed a cool friendship that's yeah. both ways. It's, so 
It's crazy. And, like, the week before, I was, like, praying, like, God, bring someone in my life that I can just, like, do life with and, like, share what I'm going through. And literally the next week, this guy walks up and he's, like, yeah. grabbing on the street. He's, like, you're mine. Like, <laughs> you're not getting away. And then yeah. find out he's coming to Branson this year. It's yeah. Crazy. That was the end, of the end of the camp. I was, like, bro, so weird. And not expecting to ever really see you again. Yeah. And you're, like, you know I live two minutes from link here and i was like i'm going to work at link here next (laughs) year so it's been so cool just to like get to know you nemo and just for anybody listening like you're a special special guy and i want you to know you have a special heart and that god has given your story a uniqueness that i've never seen but that is um that is something that he is going to use like just like i said last night man that story in john 9 where they said hey who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and god said is not because of sin it's so that my name may receive glory and nemo that's your story and it's so that his name may receive glory just like this podcast it's not about you it's so that god receives glory and that's what he's writing in your story man and i believe in you and i know these people listening believe in you man so uh that that was like a couple months ago but my story so grew up in dallas texas d-town homegrown Dallas Mavs fan, Cowboys fan, uh, all, all of it. And my parents uh, weren't believers. And so at, I think I was two years old. My mom radically came to know the Lord. And so I had a brother that was two years older and a sister four years younger. And so I just remember her at an early age starting to read off these Bible stories to us. And I was like, you know, I was just four years old, five yeah. years old, just smiling. And my dad was... Uh, he didn't believe initially. And so he opened the Bible because he was like, I'm going to just show you how stupid this is. Like, I'm going to show you how just fake this stuff is. And as he began reading the word, God got his foot in the door. And it's a wrap after that. And so my dad came to know Jesus, uh, moved us to like a private Christian school. And so growing up, man, like I, I really, I was in church and I was in the Christian school and I would go to chapel every day. But I just remember being like, I don't need you, God. Like, I, I know you, I know you're real. Yeah. It's not like I didn't believe God was real, but I was just like, I didn't have a need. And ever since I was six years old, man, I was crazy. I just knew I wanted to play college basketball. Like that was all I wanted to do. And I, I told my dad at six years old, dad, my purpose, my life, my mission is to play D1 college basketball. And my dad is the type of guy that he's like, hey, if we're all or nothing, we're going to do this. And so he started these big time travel AAU basketball teams for my older brother and I. And so we had two different teams. Julius Randle played on, you know, my older brother's team. And just a lot of NBA players that we began to play with. And so we began to travel the country at a young age playing, like, high-level tournaments. And my team was number one or number two in the country for seven straight years. Like, since I was third grade to, like, sophomore year of high school. And it was crazy because that just became so much of my identity. Is we would go to games and people would literally you know, flood the stadium so much that we had to have security that would block off the, the doors. That's crazy. Just crazy, right? Like, I'm in, like, fifth grade, yeah, bro, like, and there's thousands of adults staring at you, like, rooting against you. Like, we were that team that everybody hated. And it was so weird, though. It was like, hey, if I play good, I get parents' approval, I get coaches, I get people saying they like me, there's girls, and all this stuff was building in my heart this, hey, you produce, you get. And basketball was so my identity. And so I would work out every day. I would practice every day. And all of that was the culmination of seventh grade. I'm playing football and I get a, I break my arm like 
the humerus bone really badly. And I was like, whoa, eight months surgery, I'm out. And then eighth grade comes, right? And started that year, I tear my labrum in my left shoulder, eight months surgery, I'm out. Ninth grade, started that season, I tear my right shoulder, eight months surgery, I'm out. Tenth grade, I'm like, okay, hey, sophomore year, like, guys, God, if you're real, like, why, why are you hurting me? And I tear my hip, started 10th grade year, out for eight months. So from seventh grade to sophomore year, bro, I am completely, completely out. And I just remember crying and I was doing all this rehab and I would just sit in a dark gym and be like, God, why, why are you doing this to me? And I'm watching my teammates get all these offers and scholarships and get into play. And I was like, they don't even love it like I do. Like I have to work double just to get back to where I was. Yeah. And I remember that, man. And that, and that is the first whispers where I started to feel God pull my heart. But I didn't want it because I was so angry with him. Because my, my value was wrapped up in what I could do, and now you're taking that away. And so I didn't know it at the time, but it was God's grace on my life being like, Grant, that's an idol. Like, sports and basketball is an idol. I'm trying to get you to hear it. So uh, around eighth grade, man, is when I was you know playing basketball, the party life kind of hit me out of nowhere. And I started smoking weed in eighth grade. And then ninth grade is where the culmination of, like, the drugs, alcohol, and girls just started to, like, I, I, I loved it. And I was, if I was like, man, I could be the man at the party life and the man on the court, that is where life is found. And so from ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, I just, like, I indulged. And I remember thinking, this is what they say the man is supposed to be. And if I can just achieve that and be that and maintain this relationship and have the pretty girl and be the guy at the party that everybody daps up, you know, that was life to me. And uh, after all those injuries, man, I finally get a Division One scholarship to go to UC Santa Barbara. And so I looked it up, man. I was so, you know, it was a number two party school in the nation. It was mid-major D1. We played all these UCLA's, yeah. USC, so great non-conference. So I was like, this is everything I want. And I remember arriving on campus and my dorm is on the beach. Gosh. And dude, I was just like, this is it. Like, I'm about to take yeah. off. And uh, I'm sitting here and I'm at this party early freshman year, right? And I'm drinking and I, all of a sudden I feel this like rush hit me. This like sobri sobriety of a rush. And I feel this voice that was like, Grant, you need to go home. And I take this long walk back to my dorm alone. And I get in my dorm room and I'm sitting there. And I just, bro, I just start bawling, crying. Don't know why. Ball and crying. I call my mom. I said, Mom, I just, I know who you've raised me to be. I don't know who I am anymore. And she's like, Grant, she, she's crying with me, but she's like, Grant, I packed you a Bible in your bag. And I was like, I'm going to open it. And I go to open this Bible and I'm praying. And I was like, God, if you're real, like I have everything I've ever wanted. And I feel like I'm gripping at the ocean and the water is falling through my hands. Like I am on this endless treadmill and I'm exhausted because people are looking on me at me on the outside and just saying, Grant, you got it. And when you tell someone that and they feel so empty and insecure, that is the loneliest feeling in the world because you don't want to look weak and say, no, I don't. You have yeah. to like maintain this image. So I just felt like I was maintaining this like I'm good. I got it. And it was exhausting, bro. And so the next day. Uh, I put my headphones in and I'm praying for the first time, basically, God, if you're real, will you show me yourself? Mid prayer, this man walks up to me and I've taken my headphones and he was like, hey, uh, this is so random and so weird, but I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pastor at a local church. I'm starting a Bible study on campus. Do you want to join? And I was like, 
yes, yes, yeah. dude. Like, when do we start? And he's like, we're starting tomorrow. And so I was like, God, what in the world? Like, you're that quick yeah. to prayer? And I show up, man, and we start going through the book of John. And it was like this faithful pastor, man, from a small church just started meeting with me every single week. And we're going through John, man. But all the while that I'm doing that, I got teammates and girls and all this reputation that I had built up. They're walking by me with the Bible and a Chinese pastor. And they're like, gee, what are you doing, man? And I'm ducking it and I'm hiding it. And But, like, yeah. I couldn't deny I wanted it. So all the while this is going on, my basketball career is starting to do better and better. And I'm playing against USC, Oregon State. I'm getting minutes. I'm getting time. And I'm starting to kind of find my groove. And uh, I'm thinking that following God is improving my basketball career, you know. And uh, I get to a point where my mind and just like my hip is, is killing me. And so I get an MRI and I'm waiting on the results and I played this game and I didn't know it was going to be my last game ever. Family shows up, friends show up just by God's providence. Everybody just came and I have the last eight points in like 30 seconds. Crowds chant my name. It's that moment I, I, I waited for. Like I worked for this yeah. moment and I'm taking pictures after the game and it's the culmination of everything. And all of a sudden I see my doctor like waiting on the side and he never waits this long. And he was like, Grant, can I talk to you and your family? And he brings me, my family, my pastor in. And he goes, Grant, here are the MRI results. I have no idea how you're even moving right now. You have completely deteriorated and torn up your hip. Uh, if you ever want to walk with your kids when you're older, you are done with basketball tonight. Done. My entire life since I was six years old, my entire value, my identity, my purpose. People would say, Grant, who are you? What do you do? I'm a basketball player. I'm the basketball guy, right? That was my answer, yeah. dude. So what do you do when that is just ripped under you? And you cheated in school because of it. You were the class clown because of it. You didn't learn responsibility because of it. You always had this and this and this given to you because of it. Now that's ripped from you, who are you as a human being? You're just lost. I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm so empty. But all the while on the outside, people still looking at you going, well, dude, now you're even more. You don't have to practice anymore. Like, you're good. And I'm still like, wow, I have to mask that I'm okay and that I'm fine. Yeah. And things begin to spiral, man. And that's when cocaine was introduced. Xanax was introduced because I was just numbing, bro. Anything to fill this empty hole in my heart. I'm numbing it. And, and, and people would look at me and be like, that's the happiest kid in the world. Like, I'm yeah. laughing. I'm smiling. Yeah. They're like, that's the most joyful kid in the world. Bro, I am, I am dying inside. Like, I am literally slowly dying. And uh, February 14, 2016, I'm leaving this Valentine's Day party. And kind of go in and out of it. I'm super drunk. And I wake up, and I'm being cuffed into this cop car. And all of a sudden, I'm thrown in jail, right? And I have this mugshot taken, and they throw me in this jail. And I'm sitting here, and I just start crying. I was like, who? Like, What? I'm not playing basketball. I'm in the middle of California. And they come to me and they're like, Grant, you have your one call. And I was like, I got nobody to call. Yeah. Because I'm not going to call my parents in Dallas. Like, I got nobody to call. And it's that rock bottom, empty, are you done running Grant from God moment. And I get out the next day with brand new shoelaces because they take your shoelaces off. You know what I mean? And, and I had 1% on my phone. And it's just that like, what is going on? And I get a text from a guy that 
I had known really well, but we, we really weren't that connected. It had been maybe six months to a year since we talked, and he goes, hey, Grant, uh, every time I go to pray about this new faith-based gap year program I started called Link Year, God puts your name on my heart. Like, I had to reach out. I know this is super random. I know you're balling. I know you're in college. I had to just tell you about it. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, my whole life is flipped upside down. Why would you randomly text me that? Because you think that my life's going great and that I'm still playing basketball. Like, why? you think I would just drop out of school? Like, why would you send me yeah. that text? And I'm shook, bro. And I start sitting in my room alone, and I was like, God, like, why, what, why do I feel you calling me? Like, what do you want with me? Like, why did you take basketball from me? Weren't we, we had it so good. Life just made sense. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And I clearly, clearly remember him just letting me imagine, Grant, when you die and you will see me face to face. And I just imagine him saying this to me, Grant, I had all of this planned for you, but you were so worried about living for your kingdom and the opinion of man that you settled for this. And I was just like, man, for some reason, God gave me this audience of one mentality for a moment. And I was like, I'm going to go to Link here. And nobody understood it. Like, it was the most alone. It was the most misunderstood. It was the most, Grant, wait, what? You're dropping out of school to go to some Christian thing in the woods? Like, what are you doing? Nobody got it, man. But it was that, it's that Moana feeling. I always always talk about it. It's that Moana of like, people tell me I should go this way. But I look out at the ocean and there is something calling me. There is a spirit that is calling me that I have to go. I cannot deny this whisper in my heart. And it was the Holy Spirit being like, no, I got other plans for you, Grant. Like the father looking at me like, Grant, you, you, you know, you're done with that. Now you're coming over here. And you have to listen. You have to. I couldn't not. And it was literally like Jonah, like he would have done what he had to, to spit me up yeah. in Nineveh. You know what I mean? And I came to Link here and uh, I still didn't know, but Adam Donia started to pour into me, just like pour into me. And that's when, the, that's when I really began to like hear the gospel, but I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't ready yet. And this is, man, this is cool for anybody that's discipling somebody like your patience and your consistency and your love and your grace. It matters, bro. I should have been kicked out of link here at least five times, but I was honest. And Donye would look at me and just say, Grant, your heart is hungry. And he was patient with me and he showed me grace. And and I'm telling you, man, if Adam wouldn't have shown me grace like he did, I would not be where I'm at. I would not be here. And so if anybody is discipling someone or you're with someone and you're like, man, they just, they're not getting it. They're just, be patient. Jesus was patient with Peter. How many times did they mess up? He's like, all right, guys, we're good. We'll bounce back. And it matters, man. And so Donye was that guy for me. And then I I transferred to SMU in Dallas because I wanted to come back home to finish college. So I come back home and immediately I'm like, oh, I'm missing out on the college experience. I want to jump right back in. Yeah. And cocaine, Xanax, marijuana, alcohol, girls. I'm, I'm in it. I'm right back in it. And as I'm sitting in this, I go to a beach for my best friend's 21st birthday party, December 31st, 2017. Sitting here and all those drugs I just lifted out, listed out, New Year's Eve crazy. Wake up January 1st, 2018, open my Bible, and I read in Matthew 7. And it just says, you shall know a tree by its fruit. And Jesus just let me see him. It was like, Grant, son, you are not saved. 
because you're living this double life and it is miserable. And I just want you to come to me. Matthew 11 talks about, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Like Jesus offers rest for your soul. And it was that moment where I was like, I'm done. I am yours. Like, I can't keep living like this. And my friends will tell you on that trip, like, something happened. Like, I committed to a year of no alcohol. I said, I'm done with all this stuff. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew something needed to change. And I started this ministry called Crossover, where we would meet at this gym. And I didn't even know what I was doing. But I was like, hey, I can't play basketball, but I want everybody else to come and play pickup basketball. Right before we would play, I would circle everybody up and I would just tell them, hey, in John 5... It talks about when you give your life to Jesus, he has crossed you over from death to life. I don't know much, but Jesus has crossed my life over from death to life. Like I see it clearly. And I had to tell my friends about it. And so I'm, I'm speaking all this and I was like, man, this is crazy. And I ended up just last year doing this 10-month program studying my Bible, Genesis to Revelation at the Watermark Institute. And that began to, that changed everything. Bro, that, I, that's when I went from boy to man. Like, I learned character, integrity. I, I learned the disciplines of what it takes to be a man of God. And it's easy to talk about it. But, like, you want to run with the lions, like, that takes blood, sweat, and tears. And the spirit moves with you. And a lot of people want to talk the talk, but there's few that are just about it. And God just gave me a clarity and a, and a fire to just be like, hey, be about it. Like, get serious about my word. And he's given me this fire now, man, where it's like, I have to tell everybody. Yeah. I see that Jesus changed my life. Like I, like I, I said it last night, I was like, he does not take bad people and make them good. He takes dead people and makes them alive. That's what he did to me. Like I was dead, man. I was living this miserable life, right? I didn't taste life. And Braveheart, William Wallace, he says, every man dies, but not every man lives. That's so true. And so I'm here at Link Year. Now I'm pouring into basketball players. And it's funny because like, I felt like God took basketball from me but now my whole mission and purpose is to use that story to now f- pour into basketball players that they can be a part of a game that they can always play. And it's like, hey, God really does take your mess and make it your message. Yeah. And he takes your pain and makes it your purpose. And Nemo, he is going to take this pain that you've been through and he will make that your message. Like you will be able to speak and relate and talk to people that have gone through it because he strips you man. Like that's what he does. There's this quote that I love, and it says, sometimes in order for God to use a man greatly, he must first hurt him deeply. Yeah. And it says, only a man with deep wounds can preach a savior with deep wounds about to, to a hurting world with deep wounds, right? Like, if you've never been through anything, it's hard to, with genuine passion, proclaim what Jesus has done for you. And... It's not a prerequisite. Like, God uses whoever he wants. But, like, there's something in that, man, that, like, he lets us go through deep pain and deep identity loss in order to, you know, proclaim his name. It's the blind man. You know, he's like, why am I blind? And he's like, just wait. Because it's all for this one moment that I'm about to heal you. And my name is going to receive all the glory. So here I am doing the fort, doing basketball. Yeah. And it's just crazy. I'm like, I shouldn't be here, man. Like, I should, like, God, I don't know why you showed me mercy, but you did. And so the reason you didn't pull me up when I got saved is for one reason, your last commandment. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go. Everybody who encountered Jesus, he said, now go and tell them what I've done for you. Go and tell your friends. Like, we, that's what it's about, man. Yeah. But, like, 
in high school, you were like, you probably never saw yourself here. Never. That's, never. That's crazy. Never, man. You never know what God wants to do with your life. But, but it is funny that you say that. Like, I would show up to this young adult ministry at the porch in Dallas, and it was this massive ministry, and I would sit top row. And I would sit alone, and I would watch this guy named JP, Jonathan Bacluda, and I was so far from the Lord. But I, I, it's so weird, man. I would look at him, and I was just like, why do I feel like one day I'm supposed to do that? So I go to, I go to Santa Barbara. This is just a weird, crazy story. And I'm, like, lost. This is like I'm still playing basketball. In my first paper ever in college, they go, write about your hero or write about someone you want to be like one day. And I wrote about JP. I didn't know him. I had never met him. I wasn't even a Christian. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be a pastor. But for some reason, I was like, I just wrote my paper about him. And for now, like, I don't know. I, it's just so weird that I can look back and now see all the, the quiet whispers that God was with me the whole time. And he was like, Grant, you can run, but you cannot hide. And I'm going to let you run for a little bit longer. But just like Jonah, I'm about to swallow you up. And like Jacob, I'm about to touch your hip. And you're about to learn who's in control. And there's something of like, you can't escape your, your, your purpose. Like you can't escape it. And uh, I'm just so grateful because like, I'm not like, I should be either. I should have overdosed a couple of times. I just, I don't know why God showed me mercy, but he did. He showed both of us, bro. And like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just such a good encouragement. Even like I've been through a lot, but to hear your story, like even encourages me more to be more like, like you said, the purpose, like he didn't take us up as soon as we got saved Mm -hmm. is to fulfill his last commandment is to Mm -hmm. go and make disciples. Absolutely, bro. And like last night, just seeing you pour into like the middle aged gen- generation, like mm-hmm. just like even motivated me more to like just be more bold with my faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you went from being like hiding the Bible in like the middle of the campus to like now like, <laughs> I know, like what? standing up in front of people <laughs> and like. I know, man. And that's what's so funny. Like, yeah. It's like, I think I have friends and people watching or listening that are like, oh, dude, I'll tell you the story. So I'm, I'm sitting, it's the end of the porch, right? And I'm sitting to where like a lot of people can come down to the front and I'm just sitting there and this, we have a bunch of volunteers. So they're, they're saved, they're work yeah. for the porch. She comes down to me and she goes, are you Grant? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And she goes, well, hey, I was just up in the upper balcony and a girl grabbed me and she pulled me over and she pointed at you and she said, you see that guy? And she was like, yeah, she said, well, his name's Grant, and I went to high school with him. And she goes, I'm here tonight because if God can save him, then God has something for me. And I was just like, I don't know, one, I don't know if that's a compliment or, or <laughs> yeah, like a, yeah. you know, but, but it's like, whoa, like people are watching and you have a story to tell. And your story does not have to look like a rock bottom drunk moment. That, that is not true. Yeah. G- every testimony Jesus says holds power. Go and tell your testimony. Go and tell it. And if you were saved at five years old and you've been walking with the Lord, I want anybody listening to know that that is a powerful testimony. Do not think that you have to have some just jail moment. Like God gave you your story. And I want you to boldly proclaim it because Romans 1.16 says, there is power for salvation in the gospel. Okay, it is not Grant's words and it is not Nemo's words that will change anybody. 
You don't have to relate to them for them to get the gospel. Sometimes I feel like, well, man, if, if, I don't be, if I don't show them I'm cool, they won't receive the gospel I have to tell them. Man, don't diminish what Jesus did on the cross because yeah. you think it's up to you to be cool to them first. Like there is power in the words of the gospel. And we got to just be bold as lions because we have the lion living in our hearts. Yeah. Just got to plant the seeds and let God grow them. Absolutely. It's not about us. Okay. You got anything else to share with your story or like? Um, I, I don't, but can I ask you a few questions yeah, go before, for we, it. Right, yeah, before yeah. we end it off? I was going to give you a chance. Yeah. So it. one, Nemo, I think everybody, and I mean, everybody that knows you, knows you as that smooth, swaggy P guy with the gold chain. Talk to us about the gold chain a little bit. The gold chain? Yeah. So. Where do we get it? Why do we get it? That is a Nemo staple. Yeah. So I got it literally right after my accident. And I've been taking it off since. Yeah, I see. I see. It never comes off. I think I took it off once. You shower with it? Yeah, I shower with it. Okay, okay. It never comes off. And just something about it, just like almost a reminder of what I went through. Yeah. But also that I can carry it and that like I, I, Jesus gives me the power to carry it. Mm. And I was in a neck brace for three months. God. And so it's kind of just there, like use it. And then now it like shines brighter than a neck brace and like yeah, bro. I put a lot of thought into it Dude. and I just love it too. Bro, that is so cool. Yeah. That you're you're I still can't get over your story, man. Like what are um what are some of the things like God has taught you? Just at one, I can't imagine, man, restarting with relationships. I can't imagine restarting with even family. I just can't I I, I literally cannot imagine some of the loneliness and the pain and the yeah. misunderstood and the aloneness that you felt. And walk me through, man, just like some of the things, like when you're in that moment, all you have is God. And all you have is to be dependent upon God. And at the end of the day, Paul says like, when we are weak, he is strong. Like in our weakness, his power is made perfect. He has made you dependent upon him, man. Tell me anything that either God has shown you or that just that you've learned through this? Yeah, so big one is patience. Whew. Patience is, like, huge. Like, I still struggle with it, like, mm. being patient with my family or just anybody I talk to because they just can't understand. Mm. No one can understand mm. except for God. And the first five months, I didn't understand that God could understand so, yeah, it was lonely. But looking back, like, even when you look back on your story, you could see God talking to you. I could just see him, like, putting people in my life, and, like, I just ignored that. And so having, like, an open eye and, like, seeing people is, like, another thing he taught me. It's just, like, looking around in life and, like, that person looks a little sad. Like, go talk to them. Maybe, maybe there's something more than just they're having a rough day. And so looking, like, being in the moment is something he's teaching me right now is just not looking forward to, like, what's next year. Because I have a lot of plan next year, and I just need to be in the moment. And then, like, the family aspect, that's just hard. Like, I don't really know how to describe it. Like, totally. I'm still trying to figure out what family feels like. Totally, yeah. It's... Just not knowing your parents 
as like everybody else knows their parents mm-hmm. yeah and people talking about their relationships with like their family and like their siblings i'm like yeah i don't i i can't have that i've known them for almost eight months now yeah i trust them and i see that they love me and i i would say i love them now but it's just not yeah you don't remember who you were and they like yeah. have two versions of they have Nehemiah and Nemo now yeah. and so like parts of them still want the old Nehemiah mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the one that could play basketball the one that could mm-hmm. do life with them cause now I'm like on a separate schedule than them and I'm just like always busy and bro there's like there's grace on both sides Yeah, because you can imagine how hard it is for them who love you so much and they're like man like it hurts them to to see you hurt so like you can just imagine the pain like they're you know what i mean yeah like like there's no there's no there's no rule book to this there's no hey here's how you handle this so it's like man fight for i know how you feel and fight to understand and have grace with how they feel because i know that they that they're hurt too you know what i mean there's both sides to it and and that's just, yeah, that's like the, the spirit can only give that type of patience on both sides. Yeah, it's definitely hard, but it's getting better. Yeah. The more time I spend with them. Yeah. But. I love it, man. Well, any last words? Is Nemo single? Is Nemo golfer? It, who, who, give us Nemo. Who is the new Nemo right now? New and improved. So the Warriors is my number one. That's like biggest thing. Like, yeah. I golf a lot. Okay. I'm I'm shooting above par still, but I'm trying to get there. Yeah. And then I'm going to Link here next year. Pumped. So I'm so excited for that. I'm no longer a, I'm still a basketball player, but I'm not on the team. And I probably won't ever play basketball again. So that that I decided that like 2 weeks ago that I'm not going to play ever again. Okay. So that was tough, but I think it's the right decision just because I can't afford to get hurt again. For sure, for sure. So, it's kind of set in. Um, I help out with the fort a lot. Yes. And it's like, something about it just being there and like, helping you, like, just gives me life and like, Yeah. Makes me so happy inside. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so... That's that's where I'm at right now. The last thing I'll say, man, is like the book of Nehemiah in the Bible. Like he was, I think he is, if not the best leader in the Bible, he's top three and in my book at least. And like his whole mission was to come back and to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And the way he led and the boldness in which he led that, because the wall had been knocked down. And I just feel like there's such a parallel to where God is rebuilding the wall of Nehemiah. He's rebuilding Nemo's wall. And, you know, it had to be torn down. And there's something beautiful about God stripping you and starting you new. And it's the most beautiful thing that he could have ever done. And we may not be able to understand it right now, but we will look back and we'll laugh at this little podcast we did. And we'll be like, bro, do you remember those days? Like the first year of it? And... Man, I just know. I, you got you got a friend of me, man. You got a partner in a crime, and I'm in your corner through it all, bro. I know you are. Yeah. 
One last question for you. Yes, Ask everybody this. Oh, Lord. How do boats float? Wow, man. Wow. That's weak asking this and, like, okay. still have yet to find something that How flakes. do boats float? Yeah, like a hunk of metal thrown on water. Like, Jesus could walk on water. Uh-huh. Like, he's the Lord, but, like, right. unliving piece of metal on the water just floating. Yeah, man. I uh, sink. Yeah, you do sink because you got that gold chain on, like, okay, two chains, okay, man. Okay, okay. Uh... Boats float. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm so glad you asked, brother. So, you know the angles at which they part? Yeah, yeah. Do you know that they are perfectly 45-degree angles? No, I didn't. Okay, well, well here's something you're going to learn. Okay. So, as they part at 45 degrees, it, it creates this perfect crevice right in the water. And so, the way God created the ocean to sing praises to him, you know how the, otter, the, the ocean sways? Yeah. Or a lake or a river. It sways, right? Yeah. There's something beautiful about how that 45 degree angle parts in that sea, just like Moses, right? Just okay, like Moses' so staff. And I think there's something about that part that makes boats float. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's okay. clearly the reason boats float. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's the best explanation I've had so far. Good, man. Good. All right. So now that we got that answer. I just want to thank you for joining me on the show and honestly just pouring into me. It's mm-hmm. like a real gift from God that mm-hmm. he put you in my life and like I don't take you for granted at all. Mm-hmm. Granted. Yeah. Hey, hey, don't yeah. you don't you start. But it's just just you're such a great guy and like I get to see God and the Holy Spirit moving through you and everything mm-hmm. you do and you're genuinely happy and that just makes me want to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you mean so much to me, and I just want to thank you for that, man. for being there. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. If you're listening to this right now and you're shedding your tear, there's Kleenexes right next to you in the bathroom because this is a moment. So give me a, yeah. Dude. That's us dapping up right there because that's brotherhood. Appreciate you, bro, yeah. for real. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no. Anytime. I'll get you back on here again. Let's go, man. Let's go. Okay. I think that will do for this episode. I encourage you to share this podcast with your friends or even your social media if you feel led to. Just thanks for listening. This has been the Finding Nemo podcast, and we'll be seeing you.